0: Hey folks, Jeremiah here, trappingtoday.com, and welcome to episode two of the Trapping Today podcast. Thanks for being here. Uh, I appreciate you listening in, and I'm excited to uh, to get going tonight. I am recording the podcast episode in the house over in my office, a little corner office here, the trailer, and you may hear a little heater going in the background And you may hear a couple of kids running around um, trying to keep them quiet as much as possible. But anyway, I am not out in the fur shed because right now we are uh, faced with some pretty serious uh, cold, windy conditions out there. Actually, uh, for the last three days we've had uh, pretty extreme wind. We get dumped on with uh, about 12 to 18 inches of snow here. Um, We already had a couple feet, so uh, it's not abnormal for northern Maine, but for early January, uh, we're we're usually not this deep into it. And uh, anyway, I say 12 to 18 inches because the wind was blowing so hard, you couldn't really tell on the level how much snow there was anywhere. It was just drifted everywhere, and uh, it's continued to drift. The high today was negative 4 with winds 15 to 25 sustained and gusts of 30 to 40 miles an hour. So, pretty nasty. I tried to start a fire in the fur shed when it was windy like this day before yesterday, and uh, it just got smoked out. I couldn't keep a fire going. The wind was blowing too hard, and I just couldn't get a good draft on the stove. So, anyway, in here, uh, that's my story What's going on on my trap line? Well, as you can tell, if you've got frozen ground and three feet of snow, we're not doing any land trapping. Uh, our season actually, it's funny because a lot of guys are just getting going with trapping season in other parts of the country. But our, our land trapping season just uh, got done. So what we have to look forward to in Maine is uh, an extended beaver trapping season if a guy wants to chip through a couple feet of ice and uh, shovel through snow and snowshoe or snowmobile to go get them, uh, we can trap beavers through the end of April. So we have, we've got uh, really high beaver densities, lots of animal damage problems here. Of course, with the low beaver prices, nobody's trapping for them. So um, actually, I wasn't gonna go into that, but maybe I will since I'm, since I'm on the topic. It's kind of interesting. Um, so we'll talk about the beaver trapping. Uh, let me let me write that down. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And by the way, you're not going to see many uh, edits in this podcast because it's just going to be hit record and go. So there's going to be some times where I probably should edit, but I probably won't just because uh, I'd rather get a podcast out uh, with some mistakes and stuff in it uh, than than not do it. And time is time is very valuable. So. Anyway, uh, let's see. Tagged fur. Um, so in Maine, we get to tag our fur within 10 days of the close of the season. So our season's closed December 31st for coyote, fox, uh, martin, fisher, coon, um, basically all land animals. And uh, the fur that has to be tagged, you have 10 days from the end of the season to tag it. So, um,. I got my Martin Fisher tagged that did not uh, burn down in the fur shed fire. That's another topic. I don't know if we'll get to that tonight. We'll try to. Um, another big event on my trap line. Uh, but I'll pause on the information of myself, and let's talk about uh, what trappers have to look forward to for fur auctions, um, because we got some auction deadlines coming up. Today, I posted, or yesterday, I posted um, some of the dates for NAFA and fur harvesters auctions coming up. Um, Actually, as you listen to this, the first round of receiving deadlines is probably going to be passed. Um, But basically, if you want to send your fur, you know, you you have multiple options in selling your fur and this is a topic we'll get into later I actually have a fur guide on the website trappintoday.com um, just cl- click on the fur guide advertisement on the sidebar of the site I think right now as I record this uh, I'm gonna be making some changes to that but you can buy it for a buck um, just basically um, put in the process the payment you could pay a dollar you could pay three dollars you could pay five dollars uh, a few days ago someone paid ten dollars. You just pay what you think it's worth. Um, it's about a forty some odd page guide on, on the options selling and marketing your fur. And uh, we'll go over a lot of the details that are in the guide in, in later episodes. But uh, in, in that guide I went over kind of the different options that you have for selling fur from just selling to a country buyer which obviously There aren't very many of those guys left in in the small towns and it's really hard to sell to find someone to buy fur locally. Uh, Other options are one of the larger uh, regional buyers like Gronwalds. Uh, that goes around much of the Midwest and they're actually going to a lot of other places now too. Uh, Petska fur over in, in Kansas and there's a few others. There's, there's actually some guys that'll take your fur if you mail it to them. And they'll grade it and give you a price and if you don't like the price, you can have it shipped back. but anyway, those are various options. Uh, another option is to get it we look at this in the guide is getting it tanned and selling it through other avenues which uh, sounds lucrative. it's not really that lucrative. I've tried it. I know people have tried it as well and uh, y- you can do you can make some money if you're a good marketer and you get the right uh, place to market those furs. Um, but overall you know one of the best options right now is sending to the international fur auction. And the two big ones essentially the two the only two are based in Canada. They're both based in North Bay, Ontario, North American fur auctions and fur harvesters auction. Uh, the main differences nafa or North American fur auctions is much bigger uh, but that's primarily because they sell uh, they sell a lot of ranched fur in addition to wild fur they actually sell you know ranch fur makes up a, a large portion of their business whereas fur harvesters is is an auction company that is owned by trappers and it is uh, all the all 100% wild fur uh, that they market through through FHA. So, uh, and then there are a few little differences. Overall, the prices are very similar. It just depends on the market, and uh, sometimes the, one does better than the other. Uh, you'll see guys and hear guys debating back and forth all the time, uh, which does better. Um, it's uh, it's all about your preference. Uh, in some cases. The the only reason to choose one over the other is that uh, one has a receiving depot closer to home. And uh, so that's what I'm getting to is basically to to get the fur to FHA and NAFA in time for the auctions, uh, it, it's got to get there. It's, you know... Fur is not the easiest thing to ship i mean i did i did a youtube video a little while back on shipping and i just shipped uh, i think i had an otter and like 50 muskrats and a few weasels that that's easy you can fit those in a small box and and i think i shipped it ship that fur for, for like 25 bucks but if you're getting into shipping beavers and coyotes and bigger you know big animals uh, it really gets costly it's a pain in the butt so in order to get your fur uh... these auction companies have partnered up with different regional guys to uh... be uh, agents for for the very for the one of one or the other of the auctions and those agents are basically our collectors of fur and sometimes the stores will do it we get a store nearby that that uh... Is a is a shipping depot for Nafa. So you bring your bring your fur in there. They'll tag it and put it in bags and put your tickets on it. And they will they'll Nafa a Nafa truck comes and picks it up. Uh, last year there was prices were so low and there was so little fur that they only did one shipment and that was in April. That was for the July sale. So. Uh, this year, I think they're doing an earlier one, but not very reliable. Uh, so, like, you just got to look at where you're at. And if you go on the websites, you go to NAFA.ca or furharvesters.com, uh, you'll be able to see the, uh, the various depots. So, I'm just looking right now for Harvesters 2018 auction schedule. So, the, the first sale for fur harvesters is actually coming up in a few days is January 9th, and you would have had to get your fur in there by December 17th. Uh, so obviously um, that's that's not an option, that's an early sale. There usually isn't a lot of fur that goes in that sale, and it's mostly northern fur from, from the northern states and, and much of Canada. And those, it's a small offering, it's limited goods, and there's actually usually pretty decent prices in that sale, but it's not very representative of the market because because it's such a small quantity. For uh, d- their next sale, though, is is really their big sale, and that's March 7 to 13, uh, 2018, and that is uh, that sale is going to be held in Helsinki, Finland. And that this is, I believe, the third year that they do this. Basically, they're they're sending all that fur over to Finland and auctioning it off there as opposed to uh, doing the traditional auction in, in North Bay Ontario which they've they've done forever. Uh, they started this because they found that a lot of the fur buyers were not going through the uh, didn't want to go through the effort during low fur prices and, and a tough market. They there wasn't a lot of demand for fur. So they didn't have a lot of competition, and some guys just didn't want to go fly over to Ontario for a week and uh, bid on wild f- fur. So what they did was they moved the auction to, I think, I think they say it's like a half. It's like a thirty-minute flight from St. Petersburg, Russia, which is one of the major, um, you know, sort of the one of those the fur-buying capitals of the world. So they took the fur and brought it to uh, their back door, and they found that uh, those two those two auctions received the I believe they for the last two years though the Helsinki auction got the overall the best prices of all the auctions for the year. So it turned out to be uh, a pretty good bet. Um, I tried to make that sale with my Martin last year, and I missed the deadline. There was one place two hours away. Well, I didn't miss it. I just didn't want to drive two hours away and meet the guy there in a Walmart parking lot on 7 o'clock Sunday morning for a few furs. So um, mine got in the NAFA sale, and I actually ended up doing much worse in the NAFA July sale. So uh, anyway, this year I'm going to uh, talk to one of the guys in, in uh, southern Maine. And uh, just mail the my Martin and Fisher to them, and I'll pay I'll pay the cost of mailing. And then it's, I think it's fourteen dollar twelve or fourteen dollars goes to FHA as a shipping fee, um, and that'll be well worth saving the two hour drive. Uh, a, you know, on a Saturday morning when I have a lot of other things I'd rather be doing. So anyway, if you're in an area where it's hard to sell for. Uh, go over to, uh, well, you get over to, say, furharvesters.com, that, uh, their last receiving date's going to be January 21st. That's when they need the fur, so usually the pickup, uh, deadlines are going to be a few days earlier than that, and, uh, that's for the March sale, and then you have till April 15th to, to give them fur for a future sale. Uh, they haven't, uh, they haven't announced the final sale of, of the season just yet. Um, but what you can do if you go on their pages go to shipping to FHA and they have a section for Canadian shippers and a section for US shippers now you you can't ship as I understand it as a US citizen you cannot ship directly to fur harvesters in Canada because that fur has to go through uh, customs and has to be inspected and you have to have whatever permits and need need to be taken care of um, that needs to be done and so instead you can send to one of their one of the depots uh, one of the agents and they'll take that fur all in one big lump uh, batch of fur and bring it all across at once so that way it kind of streamlines the whole process and uh, that seems to work really well so US shippers if you go to uh, you have shipping information. I'm just looking on the website here right now. Uh, agent information. Um, they have all the details here on how to do it. Um, so you just want to read through this and then uh, pick up schedules. They've got a uh, pick up schedules for a bunch of different states here. It looks like 25-30 oh, different states where they have uh, pick up locations. I click on my state and there's a PDF brochure or a flyer that has all the different schedules and they got all kinds of I think you know there's about 20 different towns here and different dates and a bunch of phone numbers and addresses and everything so and yes it is $12 uh, per shipment uh, regardless of size so that's fur harvesters now NAFA North American Fur Auctions actually has a an office in Stoughton Wisconsin which is right on the next to the Canadian border and so you can mail the fur to this to the Wisconsin address and that I've done that uh, like I think three times now and it's been really easy uh, I'll I like I said, I get that video go to trapping today uh, YouTube channel and you'll see the shipping to NAFA video uh, you basically just put in the fur put what you make out a list of what you what's all included your name and address uh, include your trapping license Number, if you have never shipped to them before, they will make an account for you. They'll set up an account, and uh, if you have shipped to them before, just put your account number on there and they'll take care of it. If you ship to them within the last year, uh, like they'll send you, they just sent me one the other day. It's uh, just that they'll, they'll send you something in the mail with a bunch of tags and forms that you can fill out uh, to make it quicker and easier to, to ship for, um, or drop off at a, at a depot. So anyway, that is, uh, that's the auctions. Let's uh, take a quick look at the NAFA schedule just so you know what those dates are. Um, it's pretty well, yeah, so their their first sale is February 26 to March 4, And that's that's a long sale, six days. They sell a bunch of ranch fur at the same time as the wild fur. So, uh, so it's a drawn out sale. Uh, by, by the time you hear this, uh, you'll have missed the receiving date for that. Um, but that won't, the bulk of the fur will be in that May sale. And that's usually, that seems to have been a better sale recently for NAFA. And, and the May sale, the 15th to the 21st of May, that's being held, um, there in Ontario. And the deadline, the last receiving dates for US is March 12th. So basically if you hear this in mid January you've got uh almost 2 months a month and a half to get your fur in uh, to either one of the depots or to uh ship it to Wisconsin um or meet a guy at a pickup station if if that's uh if that's an option for you. So anyway, take a look at that if if you're looking for uh a relatively easy place to sell your fur. Uh, just keep in mind you're going to have that shipping cost and then they're, each of those auction houses, they're going to take 11% uh, auction commission off of whatever they sell your fur for and they may or may not uh, sell your fur. If the price is too low, they're going to hang on to that fur and they're going to wait and try to get a better price for it or if they hang on to it for a year or two and they can't sell it, they may drop the price. So uh, in the past, like, 2013-2014 that wasn't an issue because the fur prices were so good the market was strong and now the uh, with the market in the state it's in uh, there's a lot of fur being held in cold storage so that is um, that is something to consider when you're you gotta if you can find a local fur buyer or you meet a grownwald truck and you get an offer cash money right there for your fur you know don't don't just think of the average number that he's quoting you think of the expenses associated with shipping with commission with the fact that you may or may not sell actually sell your fur this guy his price might be lower or or it might be better. Um, it might be lower but it might be close enough that uh, you know you may be getting the same thing for your fur. At the same time, you may be getting low-balled and you may ship it to NAFA and do much better or fur harvesters. So um, anyway, it's just always important as a trapper, keep in mind, especially if you're putting up quite a bit of fur, just keep those things in mind. Always always try to know what your options are and and where uh, is the best place uh, to, to send that fur. Okay, so we talked about uh, fur shipping deadlines. A little bit about the weather. Um, let's see. Talk about the fur shed. Ooh. So it was. I. So I have. I had a small. Oh, let me take a quick little drink and take a breath here. All right. I had a small eight by twelve um, trap and shed fur shed basically where you know I had a couple of benches, a vise, a wood stove and all of my worldly trapping possessions. <laughs> so um in that 8x12 shed, um everything was kind of crammed in there. It was tough to work, but it was a trapping shed. It was a fur shed. It's where I where I worked up all my fur and everything. So um i guess long story short i was getting ready to skin some fur on thanksgiving uh... i was i get the wood stove going and i was thawing out a couple of martin and i think three four beavers and i was getting ready to do some skinning and take care of some fur and i threw in a couple extra pieces of wood on the fire because it was thanksgiving dinner i went in the house and had some thanksgiving dinner great meal with the wife and kids and we're halfway through the meal and my wife looked outside, and there were flames coming out of the, the trapping shed. So, uh, anyway, by the time we saw it, it was way too late to do anything. It was uh, a mass of flames. It was dark and cold and snowy and icy. Uh, I was—I had a shed. I have a storage shed that's close to that. Was close to that shed, and uh, I was afraid it was going to catch on fire. Uh, by that time, I, I when I went over the first shed when it was a starting on fire, I opened the door to that and I looked, and it was just—I couldn't even. There, it was all flames. I couldn't even go in and grab anything. I—I I don't know. You always, you always think, well, what would I do in that situation? Would I, you know, would I try to save stuff? Would I? You just can't. It. I don't know. It. It wasn't even an option. It was so hot. The flames are so so large huge and and uh it was going so fast, I just uh it never even entered my mind to i don't think it would have been possible to take anything out of there so uh basically, you know she wanted to call the fire department it I built it far enough away from the house that it wouldn't be a a fire hazard to the house and um I wasn't about to make uh make the the local paper and make a big deal out of things so um, we just, uh, finally got a hose, got water flowing through a frozen hose, and uh, uh, the other building did catch on fire, but I was able to put that out with the hose pretty easily. Um, we were, <laughs> we were bailing stuff out of there, throwing chainsaws and brush cutters and whatever was more valuable. It was, it's kind of a, like a, a work shed where I get, a tool shed basically, um, uh, beside the trapping shed. Um, so, anyway, that that building was saved. That was fine. Um, but overall, you know, the first year it, it burned right to the ground. So basically, uh, the losses were um, the fur that I had in it. There were, I think I had uh, four Martin, a Fisher, six Beavers, five or six Weasels, about 30 Muskrats, a Mink, um, Maybe some, maybe a few other furs, but I think that was most of the furs. All of my wooden and wire stretchers, um, which were, you know, a few dozen, at least a few dozen stretchers, and about, 200 plus traps. I actually think I said 200 initially when I tore through the rubble, it was closer, it was probably 250 to 300. I, you know, I buy and sell some traps here and there, I collect a lot of traps, um, I, I had more traps than I needed, but uh, there now I I went from having more, a few more than I needed to having zero. Basically, um, if you're not familiar, I, I actually went on Trapper Man and I was asking guys, you know, for some advice on whether the traps could be saved, and uh, the most of the advice was pretty spot on. Um, some of the, from a few of those guys that had experience with it and. The fire got so hot, it basically annealed the metal on on the traps. Uh, they were in different condition based on where they were. But basically, um, 95% of the traps are completely worthless. Obviously, the springs are toast. springs had no tension. Uh, the bears are toast. Um, the metal on most of the coil spring traps, like, you go to, op- you know, you obviously there's no spring tension anymore, but you go to open the trap up and you push down the levers and the levers just bend. So all that metal was, it was heated up fast and cooled slow, which annealed it, meaning it lost its temper. And uh, so now it's a soft metal as opposed to a hard, hard steel um, that has some strength to it. So there's a few, um, geezer I had a, you know, there's some good guys that helped me out there. One guy sent me, Sent me some, uh, sent me some springs, uh, replacement springs, and some levers, and I'm gonna play around and try to save a few of those traps. But basically, I was trying to figure out if I can do any blacksmith work and try to restore some of them. Basically, what what it came down to was, uh, you would have to take the trap apart, and you would have to treat and temper each component of the trap separately because they're a different type of steel, different thickness of steel, and so on. So, uh, basically, they're toast. Um, I'm looking at uh, options for turning them into some decorative art, uh, trying to find creative ways to maybe sell some some trap art. I don't know. I Anybody has any ideas, shoot me an email. Uh, jrodwoodgmail.com and uh, go on to trapping today and comment on the first shed fire topic. Uh, if you go on trapping today, uh, by the way, and you're, if you're curious of a topic I've talked about, uh, there is a search bar on the right-hand side of the website. Uh, if you're on a mobile phone, it's down at the bottom, but you've, there's a search this site. You just click on that bar and type in any word that you want information on, and if I have anything on it, it'll show up. So go in there type first shed fire and you'll see the story and some pictures and uh and so on i did a youtube video on that too um but but uh it was a bummer so that was on thanksgiving now we're in early january and basically uh long story short um i we didn't have much money we had a couple thousand dollars saved up and uh i poured all the money we had and and uh by myself in about two weeks, I built a new shed, and I built it. Uh, the old one was eight by twelve; this one's eight by twenty-four. So um, <laughs> I built a brand new shed, uh, twice as long. Uh, took a lot of sweat, and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of more money than I had. Um, it's pretty bare bones. I don't have hardly any trapping supplies. I'm trying to get a few here and there, um, but. I'm starting from scratch with a new shed and uh, not a very good financial situation, and not a very good uh, trap supply situation. But uh, to be honest, it actually—I thought I was going to be completely devastated and just cry and I, and tears and just feel sorry for myself. And I don't know. I just—I wasn't really that phased by it. I guess I just. The the first thing that I thought when I was walking around the corner of the trailer, and I I was spent a couple of hours just kind of standing out there watching the flames, and and uh, I one of my first thoughts was, well, most of what I know, m- most of my asset as a trapper is in between my ears, and uh, I didn't lose my mind, so you know that's valuable. The other things can be replaced, so. Anyway, um, cause of fire, uh, stupidity. It was a wood stove, and it was probably not set up safely enough. Um, It was a little too close to the wall. It was a little bit lower quality stovepipe. Um, The wall wasn't as protected as it should have been. Um, I didn't go full-fledged the opposite direction with this new stove and the new shed. However, I made uh, far more precautions to make sure... That, uh, that that doesn't happen again. Um, but a uh, lesson learned. Sometimes you got to learn the hard way and uh fresh start. So anyway, all right, we got a little sidetracked with that. Let's see. Uh, we are, all right, we're about 30 minutes in. So that's probably going to wrap it up for the episode. Uh, tonight we talked about the uh, the first shed fire. We talked about shipping fur, fur auctions, deadlines, um, there's a few things that I wanted to get to, wanted to get to some trapping news and a few things I'm working on on trapping today, actually I have some things that I'm pretty excited about. Um, oh, the I told you I was going to talk about uh, beaver trapping um, coming up here and I'm going to to, I apologize. I'm going to save that for the next episode. We're going to go into that in a little more detail. I feel like we can do it a little more justice if we have more time. So, anyway, um, look forward to that. And I have, oh, I have a, a lure making DVD review to talk to you about. have a couple of other interesting things to go over. So, I'm excited about that. I hope you are too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And, uh, Until next episode, keep on trapping, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks.